Hey yo, welcome to Kiki's Corner, where biblical principles meet culture. Hello everybody, my name is Kiki Francois. I am your host. This is my corner of the world where I get the opportunity to be holy as Christ has called me to be holy and cultivate a space for others to join in. I am a writer, poet, rhetorician, disciple, and theoactivist. I am a Christ follower and welcome to episode two of Kiki's Corner. Um, the title of this episode is Sexual Healing. And after these 12 to 15 minutes, I hope to participate in a small portion of your healing or at least inform you about where to find healing and to help you recognize the patterns of the world that contribute to sexual immorality that leads to sexual brokenness that can take a lifetime to heal from because of trauma. Um, I know that we all have had different encounters with sex. Um, There are different categories that we all find ourselves in. So I want to make sure you all know that I care deeply about your experience. I value you, but most importantly, God values you. Um, If you have had intercourse outside of marriage, whether that's physical or oral, please remember that you are not damaged goods, but God wants to use you for his good. If you have a porn addiction, God wants to meet you where you are. If you have a lust addiction, and I am talking about iniquities in your mind, God wants to meet you where you are. If you have a masturbation addiction, God wants to meet you where you are. If you were abused sexually, God knows, and he wants to heal that place of hurt, robbery, guilt, anger, depression, and or anxiety. And he wants to give you peace past all understanding. God wants to meet you where you are. Um, My desire is to handle this subject with um, humility, gentleness, and care, but also truth so that we can all be set free because the enemy loves to keep us in chains. So let's get free. As a reminder, the anchor verse for this entire show is Romans 12, 2. It says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's transform our hearts and minds. Um, I will be referencing scientific research and the Bible in this episode. Um, And I need to make this clear. I am a Bible-believing Christian. That means that I believe everything that the Bible says is true. I know there are those who believe in in the redaction of scripture, which redaction simply means edit, alter, or revision. And they kind of test out what's true, what's mythical, and what's an edit. But I admire what uh, Pastor Alex Clattenburg from Church in the Sun once said in a sermon. He said, if you just have the word, like the text, you dry up. If you just have the spirit, you blow up. But if you have both, you grow up. So let's grow in these next few minutes. Um, And here's my last disclaimer. God is the main healer. I am simply pointing you to the source that never runs out of love, peace, restoration, redemption, joy, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So let's get into it. We live in a society where sex sells. We live in a society where people are getting married to have sex and find out that they're not equally yoked after sex. We live in a society where people have had multiple sexual partners and are completely satisfied and are out to get all that they can get. We live in a society where there is no high regard for the value of sex, so we sell it for cheap. We live in a society where people are genuinely afraid of sex and don't want anything to do with it. We live in a society where people abstain from sex and or marriage. 
In the Christian tradition, we call this celibate or celibacy. And from a world's perspective, we call it asexual. But here's the deal. We all have sex hormones. If you are a female, it's estrogen. And if you are a male, it's testosterone. And Harvard Health Publishing claims that estrogen and testosterone affects not just your sexual functions, but also your bones, brain, and blood vessels. And I am getting to the metabolic functions because sex is mind and body, and later on I will show you how it's soul. It affects everything. And I need you all to understand that we possess these hormones because we were wired to procreate, to keep this world populated. We were also wired for intimacy, a closeness. Genesis 2.18 says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Adam had a loneliness problem that needed to be solved. Scientifically, the National Institute of Health has linked social isolation and loneliness to higher risk for a variety of physical and mental conditions. High blood pressure, obesity, a weakened immune system, cognitive decline, depression, and even death. So we were hardcore wired for community. So there is a need there biblically, and it is scientifically proven. And I want to provide a foundation and understanding for this concept of loneliness because it is connected to the way in which the enemy weaponizes sex and perverts intimacy. Premarital sex and the perversion of sex is a problem in our culture. Um, we all have different definitions for it, whether it's the church condemning you and not teaching you, whether it's the world saying be your own boss and be free, but they are really selling a false freedom of chains. We live in a world of airwaves and different outlets where it's easy to bump into sex. It's almost like the air that we breathe, waiting on every corner to devour and hook everyone who grabs hold of it outside of its context. To stay on topic, I would propose this question. How does the world view sex? Here is how the world views sex in two ways. One, sex sells from an economic standpoint. And two, sex does. Um, the term sex sells has been said often. And we see images of sex um, in social media, ads, movies, music, food, websites for sex that we call porn. And the word porn comes from the Greek word pornea and also sex trafficking. We see how the world has monetized or put an economic value to sex. And Tom Richard from um, UGA Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication says that sex sells because it attracts attention. People are hardwired to notice sexually relevant information. So ads with sexual content get noticed. And the second category in, in how the world views sex is sex does. So we have casual sex. We have one night stands. We have Netflix and chill. And we have body counts. We have cohabitation sex. And that means if you are living together but you are not married and having sex. We have oral sex. Kind of doing it, but not really. We don't really know where we lie on the spectrum. 
Well, Labarna Research claims that nearly half of the younger generation says that sex is to connect with another person in an, enjoy- in an enjoyable way. 44% Generation Xers and 49% of Millennials. A second fact is that notably, millennials are much more likely than older adults to say that the purpose of sex is sexual self-expression and personal fulfillment. Rachel Hills wrote an article entitled What Every Generation Gets Wrong About Sex, and she pretty much summarized how the world views sex. She says this, sex is all over our TV screens, in our literature and infused in the rhythms of popular music. A rich sex life is both a necessity and a fashion accessory, promoted as the key to good health and psychological vitality in robust, intimate relationships. Rachel Hills understands perfectly the tensions of sex in the world today. But here's the deal. She understands from a critical ideological standpoint. But let me give you a spiritual perspective. What does the Bible have to say about sex? What is Christian sexual ethics? Well, here it is. Sex is active worship. Sex is an act of worship. Sex is meant to be in the context of marriage between a man and a woman. Let me tell you why. In the words of Charlie Dates from Progressive Baptist Church in Chicago, he said this, sex is explosive. Sex is fire. And when fire is not kept in a fireplace, which is a boundary, it can burn the whole house down. God placed sex in a container of marriage so that it can be controlled. Also, there is a such thing as soul ties. When you become one flesh with someone, you are binding yourself mentally, physically, and spiritually, and emotionally with them. Why do you think relationships that involve sex outside of marriage when they are over hurt so bad? You are marrying the person without the covenant or blessing from God. And that is damaging, not only to yourself, but to your children, and also to your family, and also to God. Um, it's it's damaging because you can see it very clearly. Um, and so since sex is meant to be an act of worship, what happens when you misplace worship and you give something else worship other than God? It becomes an idol. It becomes something that you put as an idol and that you worship other than God. Um, you're worshiping the creation and not necessarily the creator. So if you if sex is an idol in your life, You need to ask God, hey, God, please knock this down because I don't want to misplace my worship. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians 4, um, verses 3 through 5. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Um, 1 Peter 2.11 says this, Beloved. I'm going to say that again, beloved, one more time, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Romans 13, 14 says this, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And lastly, Galatians 5, 17 says this, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. God takes sex seriously, 
it's a big deal from him for him. Um, and sex within the context of marriage, there is no shame and there is no guilt, but there is freedom in Christ. And if you don't think that this episode is for you, if you say, hey, Kiki, I'm a virgin, I'm celibate, I'm not, I'm abstaining, you know, hey, that's fine. But let, let me let me tell you something. Let me reaffirm you. Virginity is a gift. Don't let the world make you feel like you are missing out on something because you're not. God is not hiding anything from you. Listen, marriage and singleness is a gift. Virginity and sex is a gift. God gives perfect gifts and he blesses them. So let him. Um, and so that's something I just want to reaffirm. Now back to the title of this episode, sexual healing. Here are the biblical principles applicable or applied for sexual healing. I'm going to give you four to five um, principles. The first one is forgiveness. Um, if you have been sexually abused, God is not silent. Um, the Bible teaches about sexual assault. And if you have time, please read Dr. Katie McCoy's article about it. Um, but God requires you to forgive, um, as a part of your healing. Um, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation and it does not mean you live day to day with that person, but it does mean that you forgive them and say, you know what? I forgive you because I have to participate in my own healing. Don't worry about them. God got them, but God wants you, you know what I'm saying? Like God, God wants God wants you to 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 come to him with it and but he he needs you to forgive. Ephesians 4:31 to 32 says, "Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you." So since God forgave you of your iniquities and transgressions, you are obligated as a Christ follower to forgive, regardless of what someone has done to you. Um, it's super important um, to participate in your healing, especially sexual healing. Um, the next biblical principle that I want to share is um, a combination of two. So it's confession and repentance. Um, so I'll just give you a little story. A year ago, I was a chaplain and we were going to have a worship service that Sunday. That week, I had been entrapped and ensnared in lust. I was lusting for everything under the sun. And I can just be real and honest with y'all because this is this is my authenticity come out. This is this is real. Um, and so I said, God, I cannot go in this worship service as a hypocrite. I said, I need you to come and heal me. So the day of the service, I went to church that, that morning. And then I had about three to four hours between the service and church. And so I took those three to four hours and I said, God, I need you. So what I did was I wrote and I confessed every um, sexual sin and also anything that contributed to my sexual immorality out in a journal. And I wrote it out. I made a big web of all the things from childhood, from music, everything. I wrote it down and I made it plain. And I, and I had worship music playing in the background. And what I did was I pushed my journal away from me, kind of like submitting it to God. And God healed me that day. Um, and that moment in those three to four hours that I tarried and I waited for him. Now, later on that night, I went to the worship service and I did not speak that day, but I was praying for people. A young lady came up to me and I was able to pray for her and she was healed of her anxiety and, and depression. It was because I 
released my sexual sin and I was healed of my unrighteousness and my sin. And so that God was able to use me as a vessel to heal someone else. Come on. I'm trying to tell y'all, like, if you get healed, you can heal someone else. Woo. Come on, y'all. God will use you as a vessel. And that is one of the most greatest things in life to be an ambassador for Christ, um, especially to be used and to participate in the kingdom. And so that's just my little story. But first John one nine says this, if we confess of our sins, he is faithful and just listen to that. He is faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The next biblical principle is accountability partner, James five, six, Oh, man, I love James. Um, therefore, confess of your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Listen, y'all, go get one to two people. Everybody don't need to know your business. Go get one to two people who you know have been with God, who you know who just floats on the, who just floats on the Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh, yeah, I need them to pray for me. If there's any person who comes to your mind right even in this moment who you know, man, they are a prayer warrior. They've been with God and I can touch and agree and I can confess to them. And, and they when they pray, God hears. So go and find those people who keep you accountable. And the last tool, uh, the last biblical principle that I want to give to this generation is this discernment. Um, discernment for triggers. Um, the Bible says this, James 1, 5, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without repro reproach, and it will be given to him. So ask God for wisdom um, about your certain triggers, things that tempt you to sin sexually. Um, and when you ask God this, um, ask him to give you more of himself because God is wisdom. And in the Holy Spirit, um, will remind you and in the Holy Spirit, like like it said in Galatians 5, 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. Uh, they are in conflict with each other so that you don't do whatever you want to do. So as you fill up on the word, as you as the spirit meets you where you are, you are able to discern your triggers and write them down so that when they come up, you are able to address them and rebuke them and, and have somebody pray for them. Um, I'm going to pray a prayer from ransomed heart. And I advise you all to go back to the foot of the cross and remember what Christ has done for you. Um, and I want to leave you with this comment and question. Sex, <laughs> sex is not an identity. Sex is a feature in your life, but you are more than your sexual desires. So don't let it own you. And the question that I want to leave you all with is this. What are you believing about sex that you're not believing about God? Are you believing that it can fill you and make you whole? Are you believing that it can provide for you? Are you believing that it can save you? What are you believing about sex that you're not believing about God? Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we confess here and now that you are the creator and therefore the creator of our sexuality. God, we confess that you are also the savior, that you have ransomed us with your blood. Uh, we have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and our life and our bodies belong to you. Jesus, we present ourselves to you now to be made whole and holy in every way, including our sexuality.
You ask us to present our bodies to you as living sacrifices and the parts of our bodies as instruments of righteousness. We do this now. We present our bodies, our sexuality, and we present our sexual nature to you. We consecrate our sexuality to you, Jesus Christ. It is in your holy name, Lord, we pray. Amen. If you like what you heard, please follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Kiki's Corner Podcast. That's Kiki's Corner with an S podcast. Check out my website, kikifrancois.com, for bookings, content, and past episodes from this show. I update the website weekly, and I'm constantly on Instagram. Y'all should just call me the late night preacher. Um, (laughs) If you would like to be featured on this show, please DM me on my Instagram or email me at kikiscornerpodcast at gmail.com. That is all that I have for y'all. Y'all have a beautiful week. Peace.